in okay. Tasmania to generate power, it's around 230, 250 grams of carbon for every unit of energy that we use. Going one, going twice, no. All right, guys, welcome back to The Property Pod, your weekly engagement into real estate here in the Hobart Marketplace. I'm your host, Aaron Horn, and I'm joined by only one of the team members today, John McGregor. Oh, everyone. It's tragic. <laughs> <laughs> it's all right, mate. It's all right. We don't have our uh, our captain, um, Patrick Berry. He's actually off in Sydney with his son. He was competing in the National BMX trials or something like that across the weekend we should have known yeah yeah did you see that um photo we sent back where the kid just looked like he did a straight up street fighter kick to the guy's neck i I did see that yeah so they were they were at this national event they normally do events down here in hobart um but yeah this was his first national and that photo was like yeah it looked like a full mortal Kombat move yeah yeah and um i was like oh so your son does this every weekend he's like oh yeah he's really good yeah well hats off to those young kids though because he said they all just got straight back on the bike and kept racing most definitely most Mm. definitely so yeah so pat's away it's actually unfortunate that he's away today um i think he'd really really be into um today's topic and today's guest he's kind of really trying to push that environmental approach here at the office and Mm. going paperless and going carbon free and as like as much as you can yeah um but even then like there's always a limitation on what you can research yourself so it's always you know being able to find an expert to bring in and go well did you know that this could happen you know yes yeah Um, indeed so today we've brought in an expert someone that we've known for years we're actually crossing off uh, as we're having coffee before how we how we knew each other and it turns out me and uh the guest lived on the same street yeah that was news (laughs) to me today so yeah i'm pretty pumped because we've got an old mate of ours uh tom green from ingenuity power solutions Thanks for having me, gentlemen. Yeah, welcome. Not a problem, my friend. Welcome to the show. Thanks for coming in. Thanks for coming in on a uh, on a bright early morning. It's uh, it's really good to see you. A beautiful mm. drive down from the north of the state this morning. So I did want to check. Did you drive this morning, or did you? I did. So what time were oh, you that's up? It. What time were you up to come um, out of bed at about ten to five this morning? Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> we told you we're not that professional. We could have done yeah. this <laughs> way later in the day. Yeah, yeah. Look, yeah. it's good. Good excuse to get out of bed. Excellent. Well, I think sometimes doing these though first things good because your mind's not completely focused during work. It's hard to sort of shift gears between starting something, shifting gears, and then back into it. Absolutely. Yeah. So let's jump straight into your business. You're a startup. You've kind of just got off the ground in January, you were Great. saying. Can, yes. you, can you give us some scope on um, on what, you, what you're doing out there? Yeah, look, mm. fundamentally, um, I guess I'm an electrician by trade, uh, electrical mm. contractor, um, also with an engineering degree. So I guess we're a little bit hybrid in what we do and, oh, right. and how we do things. Mm. Um, so I guess the premise of our business is, I guess, finding what we like to call a future-proof solution um, through energy efficiency mm. and, I guess, the added benefits of that. Um, obviously, the bottom line. And things yeah. become cheaper, but Absolutely. every unit of energy that we use obviously produces carbon. So there's that environmental impact that we're trying to offset uh, through, I guess, the technologies and the um, implementation of different strategies. Yeah, most definitely. Mm. So just jumping from kind of, uh, I, I was an electrician and then I got an engineering degree. Kind of, <laughs> it's, it's, it's a very it's interesting um, yeah. kind of leap. You know the stereotype will be you either choose a trade or higher education in many senses, but then you've integrated both. Yeah, absolutely. So that's a serious serious amount of work there, mate. A little bit of a hybrid approach to, I guess, my education in that uh, moved away to Western Australia, um, moving into year 11 and 12. Yep. Um, Finished year 11 in WA and then shipped back to Tassie. 
Mm. Um, the education system is convoluted, as we all probably know, and I sort of missed the boat, would have to have done year 11 again, blah, 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 so I got a trade. Yep. Yeah, um, right. Okay. And loved it, and it was great, but wanted to continue to push yep. and sort of was opened up to an opportunity to continue studying and, yeah, took it. So how did you – what was the what was the genesis or the the thing that got you inspired to pursue engineering then? It was basically the opportunity presented itself. Oh, right. Nothing more. Oh. Um, I, 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 to be honest, I didn't want to be an engineer. I, yeah, yeah. I actually looked at what was involved in the engineering space mm. and was just like, nah, not for me. Yeah, fair enough. Um, opportunity opened up and I, I took it with both hands and, yeah, and then I've sort of found what I believe to be my little niche um, mm. in the market. Mm. So so how did that come about? Because where, where did your training as an electrician start? Was that in the residential space, the commercial space? Where did you spend most of your time there? Yeah, in the commercial space, yep. yeah, um, working go. in the commercial space. And then um, I actually went back to Western Australia and spent a bit of time. You're in the mines, in weren't the you? Mines. Yeah, I yeah. Oh, right, yep. And then came back and was in sort of the utility space down here. And mm. that's where the opportunity in the um, engineering and the, I guess my segue into that um, into that space and that's where I sort of left that, went into a sales role. Yeah, and okay. then is where I've sort of found myself where I am, I guess, today. So Yeah, it's amazing we're only talking about this kind of before we started but you were saying, oh, how did you get into this podcasting and media and all this it, stuff? It just keeps happening. I, I knew Tom when we were – Study. I was studying at uni, and you were working in the halls doing some of the uh, electrical I doing, work. Yeah. I was doing something. Something. <laughs> <laughs> you were working, but yeah, one I was, way or the other. I was, I was training to be a teacher. You were working there. We were across. Do you remember the old red wine Wednesdays we used to uh, have back I in the day? I do remember the red wine Wednesdays. I don't remember what happened after them, but they were, <laughs> they were a lot of fun while we were doing them. But yeah, so we were just discussing before, like, oh, how did you fall into this? And it's kind of yeah, one of those experiences where I'd been to WA and did some teaching and come back and was like, oh, I'm a bit disheartened by the whole experience. I'd love to try something else. And, yeah, just kind of opportunity arose. So it sounds really similar to your story in that you've kind of gone through all these adventures. Mm. You were saying I've had lots of random jobs, but it sounds like you've, uh, yeah, crossed many paths yourself, my friend. Yeah, you could probably say that. <laughs> Where then um, – so you've you've done your spark, you've moved into your engineering field, obviously being able to specialise in this um, – in like um, – energy saving space yes how did that start to translate into your, your experience with your work and then how how has that evolved then into creating your consultancy business yeah okay so what it came down to initially was power quality so people think you plug in a computer into a powerpoint and the screen works 240 volts you know magic away we go yeah there's actually i guess little pieces that make up all of that power system mm-hmm. um and the quality of power obviously, is efficiency. Yep. And that was sort of where it all stemmed from was mm. the, the better the quality power, the more efficient everything is. You know, it comes down to the more efficient that the generator from, you know, let's say, Hydro Tasmania mm. and then the smaller the wires and the poles need to be for, ta- for Transend or TAS Networks now to move that power from point A to point B and all the way along the line. So there's the sustainability, I guess, in that. That then moved down into, I guess, looking at a helicopter 10,000 feet, you know, coming down, coming down. And then it comes down to, well, things are only as efficient as the things that you actually plug into that PowerPoint. Mm. So there's better ways that we can actually do things that, I guess, uh, fall all the way down the line of that sustainability. And I use sustainability in inverted commas because I really don't like the word. Yeah. Why why is that? 
I just don't think that anything that we do is fundamentally sustainable. If you boil down the word sustainability, it is being able to sustain something or maintain something forever and a day. And there yes. is nothing that we do as human beings that is sustainable. Yeah, that's an interesting point. So you think like even sometimes the definition of the word is not useful. I think the definition's perfect, but I just yep. think everything that we do is not sustainable. Oh, fair and enough. I really like the word future proof because that yeah. means that it's adaptable as things change it can adapt and grow with it. So mm. that's sort of the term that we like to coin, I guess, with what we do. It's it's future-proofing. It's not sustainable. Well, I, I personally, I'm not sure about you, mate, but I like the word adaptable because it enables you to change. It can be flexible. And even um, something as simple as the idea of future-proofing, this is an odd analogy, but it's just something I can relate to, is that I ended up getting a series of music equipment because I wanted to build a music room. But I thought, well, I could just get a couple of, you know, um, you know, stock standard guitars or whatever. But in the end, I went, you know what? I've worked hard. I'm going to get the stuff that I really, really want because now with the music, that the equipment I have, that'll last me for 40 years. 100%. And if you, you look know? at then the total cost of ownership over the life of your asset, yeah. you've actually offset a whole heap at the front end by being, I guess, somewhat intelligent in the decisions that you made. Yes, exactly. And it's exactly the same with any piece of infrastructure any appliance or whatever that we're going to implement into our everyday living or our mm. workplace or whatever that is, that if you actually sit down, do the numbers – and, and have a look fundamentally at what it is that you want to do now yep. and what it is that you're actually going to try and do in the future, you know, there's there's a lot to be saved, I guess, from making good decisions at the front end. Yeah, this is so interesting because at the moment I'm looking to design um, a, just a simple unit at the back of a, a property that I have. And I think one of the reasons why I've delayed so much is that I want to do it a little bit differently because it seems to me that, say, residential homes in Australia haven't changed at all for 100 years. How is it then that you see... Um, is it frustrating sometimes to see both in the commercial space and the residential space that with the knowledge that you've gained now that they're just it's still not evolving? So, look, yeah, if you look at that, um, I guess, at, at base level, you look at, let's say, a builder or um, a home renovator going in to renovate a home mm. and they do something, they pull a floor up or they, you know, pull a wall down or something and it's just, it's wrong. And you don't know it's wrong because there's plaster on a wall and something's been built incorrectly or it just doesn't allow that person to do what they wanted to do. Yep. And that's, I guess, really at a, a high level, but looking at that not fut- you're making decisions that aren't future-proof. Sure. Yeah, kind of a patch for the moment and be like, oh, I'll, I'll resolve that way down. Or I'll well, never resolve that. That's it. Yeah. It's not my problem now. Yep. You know what I mean? And, and mm. those decisions are what we're trying to educate, I guess, in the space that we play in. Yes. If that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. So you're, you're really, more than anything, you're getting the, your client to think further ahead. Absolutely. And yeah. we're looking to, I guess, bridge that gap so that we can, we can deal directly with a property manager. Yeah. We can deal directly with a consulting engineer, bring all of that information together so that I guess everyone's got their point of view heard to a degree. Well, what's so interesting is that, so we've all got different degrees of expertise. Um, well, then that's why someone like yourself is so useful in a project because um, you can connect all the dots to basically allow enable a company or, or an individual to, you know, complete their vision. Yeah, and to look at that again, I guess it's easy mm. to put the blinkers on and be really caught up in, I guess, what your job is in that um, communication um, channel, I guess. And, yep. you know, the tradie might see something that's just going to benefit him a little bit, so he wants to push that. Mm. You as the homeowner might want to push something else, you know what I mean? And it's really mm. hard to, I guess, sell what it is that you want out of it as well and sort yep. of meet that middle ground. Yeah, exactly. You specifically have had the experience through commercial space and, and arguably you could say like that's where you see the, the biggest measurable difference to businesses' bottom lines because you're working at giant levels of scale, right? Absolutely. Um, but 
like in the, in the business like we have here, you know, it's still a relatively large office, but, um, you know, we're very passionate about trying to do offsetting and, you know, as you pointed out, oh, I can see you boys have got the LED lights in there, you know, um, little different degrees. How is it that you can um, – what is it that it in, like uh, people in, in homes or individuals can start to look for and search for when they're trying to pursue this um, energy efficiency direction? Yeah, so I guess what's important to boil it down to is that what we're doing when we're using energy. So mm. every – I guess you look at your power bill and it's made up of units, yep. right, and they're called kilowatt hours. So that's the unit you pay for. Kilowatt hour in Tasmania is around 25 cents per unit. Right. All right? So – Every kilowatt hour that's produced, and this is dependent on which way BasLink operates, so we import power or we export power, in okay. Tasmania to generate power, it's around 230, 250 grams of carbon for every unit of energy that we use. Okay. Every home, unit of energy, every, every kilowatt. So if we boil wow. that down again, um, <clears throat> uh, an average home uses around 7,000 kilowatt hours of power mm-hmm. per year. Okay. okay. Yep. Yep. 7,000 times 230, 250 grams, you know, we've got hundreds and thousands of kilograms. Yeah, yeah. So if everybody at, at the home level can be a little bit better in the decisions that they make and how they use energy, mm. hey, guess what? There's a, there's a benefit to your bottom benefit. line, but there's a benefit to the, the, the environment and, you know what I mean, and that's becoming responsible. That's future-proofing our decisions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The reason that we're fundamentally focused at the moment on the commercial and industrial space is because that we can make a big difference really, really easily. Yes. So we're doing a lot of projects at the moment based on, I guess, motor efficiency, mm-hmm. electric motors. Yep. So in Australia, 294 terawatt hours are used a year. Mm-hmm. Of that, around 45% is directly attributed to electric motors. Wow. That's enough energy to power about 119 million homes. Wow. Bloody hell. In Australia, I, I, I'm not sure, but I'm pretty sure it's around 9.5 million dwellings. Mm-hmm. So there you go. There's some numbers. So how We can make the electric motors a little bit more efficient. Yep. 45% of all the energy used in Australia. Yeah. A little bit more efficient. That's probably going to be enough energy to power every home in Australia. Just by a small change of the degree. And then there's the carbon offset. In Victoria, it's about 1.2 kilograms of carbon per kilowatt hour. Yeah. Because of the coal and that sort of stuff. Like, you know, we're talking significant numbers here. Mm, mm. Yeah, so it's amazing that you can kind of, um, yeah, just think just like a tiny adjustment through kind of engineering prowess to a motor and trying to get that just that little bit more efficient is um, kind of attainable to get reach such a, a big difference across the country. Mm. Absolutely. Is that something that you're – you're pushing to like obviously we're here in Tasmania, but is that something that like if you can get the technology sorted here, you can then expand that to a nationwide kind of approach? Yeah, absolutely. Luckily enough that a lot of the conversations that we're having here in Tassie are involved with sort of national and multinational businesses as well. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously everybody's signing charters now and things for that sustainability inverted commas, yeah, environmental yeah. Um, they're impact all, and they're all, all sorts of things. So if we can help at some level, hopefully that conversation continues on to, you know, some of those big decision makers in big boardrooms that can really, you know, impact change. Well, that I mean, it's all well and good to sign a piece of paper, isn't it? But then in the end, like, what are you going to do about it? Um, and that's the problem. Yeah. I guess you don't know what you don't know. Yep. Yeah. We need yep. to do something, but what can we do? Um, yeah. Yep. Yep. And I guess at the home level, you know, that boils down to, I guess, spending the time to educate yourself. So, mm. um Things like electric panel heaters and things on the wall, what you get there is a one-to-one ratio. So for every kilowatt of power you put in, 
to that heater, you get one kilowatt of heating on the other end of that, okay? Yes. Yep. Um, there's obviously a lot of talk and things about, you know, reverse cycle air conditioning and things um, mm. being, you know, the very efficient, you know, mode of, of heating and cooling a, a home or a business and things like that. Mm-hmm. So you're looking at about a ratio of 3.6, 3.7 to 1. So okay. 1 kilowatt in to 3.6 or 3.7 kilowatts of heating out. Yes. Yep. Now if we're talking about kilowatt hours, you're putting in 1 kilowatt hour. Mm. For the hour to get three point six kilowatts of heat out, yep, two hundred and thirty grams. Mm. Go the other way, and we put an electric heater to get the same heat. Well, that's one kilo, two hundred and thirty grams. Yeah, so we're getting one kilogram of carbon out the other end for the same for result. the exact same result. Yeah, yep. absolutely. And even like you take, you break it down to a couple of elements. Like no one really gets if you if you're at the the roulette table and you're putting a hundred bucks, you're risking a hundred bucks to get a hundred bucks back. Like you just wouldn't take that bet, would you? It's not a good bet. Yeah. And it's the thing, you know, people get excited in investing as well. It's like, if you're putting, you've got your savings account, your, your cash in the bank and they're paying you um, like zero, just nothing in interest. We're like, well, where's the gains, you know? Well, but I but I guess some Dogecoin, weren't we? Yeah. 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 Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's amazing how passionate my cousin is about that. Oh, but <laughs> I don't even get it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not quite sure he does either. Um, but the, the the but one of the but so I know like even um just take our residential tenancy act for example and at yep. it, it, it different levels around the world they have different levels of scale but and it's very hard to legislate against this as far as I'm concerned so I'm not going to be advocating that you would write into law this is what you need to have however it would state that you have to provide some form of heating like that's about it you know and then but if you so the minimum would be throwing in a panel heater um and i know in our old place because uh, you know dad he just he it was really bad for him with reverse cycle air conditions it wasn't comfortable so we had to have all these panel heaters everywhere and my god the power bill was ridiculously expensive and the house was still pretty much always cold so <laughs> it was just a terrible solution right um and if we were to put in the heat pump still I don't even know if that still would have been a – obviously would have been at least three times better given what you said. Yeah, well, it's actually better um, than that because the technology oh. inside equipment like that, it's called inverter technology. So what okay. happens within a panel heater is you've got it set on the thermostat to, let's say, 24 degrees, okay? Yep. So the panel heater's on, bang, it's on. Full noise, there's no control, it's on. It approaches mm-hmm. that set point, it hits that set point, but it's always going to overshoot. Mm-hmm. Right? So you're probably going to get to 26 degrees. Oh, uh, so And then it turns yep. off. Yeah. Full noise, off. And it ramps back down to 21 degrees. And guess what? It's on again, full noise, bang, all the way back up, overshoots again, and then it turns off, right? Mm-hmm. So it's all energy all the time. Mm-hmm. With a heat pump, what happens? It's got an inverter, right? So what that means is that the motor speed and the compressor speed can ramp up and ramp down. So as you start approaching that set point, it slows itself down. Okay. So it's not yeah, using yeah. that one kilowatt anymore. It might be using 0.6 of a kilowatt because it's slowed itself right down and just producing enough to hit that set point mm-hmm. and then it ramps itself back off again. So it's not turning on and turning off and turning uh, on and turning okay. off. So yeah. they're actually, when I say it's 3.6 to 1, by the time that inverter does its thing, it's probably way more efficient. Yep. Yeah, gotcha. Yeah, yeah. So in the end it's just a fundamentally better tech better way to heat your home. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So so I guess mm. just going from there, that's kind of one of those um, misconceptions that people have out there of um, – Say, oh, I'll go buy the $40 panel heater rather mm. than getting the um, the big heat pump installed. What kind of other misconceptions are out there around the household that you could just reel off for us? Uh, insulation and double glazing of windows. Yeah. Obviously, heat loss is a huge thing and that's heat coming in or heat going out yep. or cool air coming in and out, all those things, right? So if you fundamentally insulate correctly, that means you need less energy to heat it to a – you know, a comfortable uh, reasonable, um, and heat. maintain it. Yep. So mm. again, that heat heat pump inverter 
is ramping up and down, but it's doing hardly any work because once it's warm, it's warm. Once it's yeah. cool, it's cool. Yeah, and yeah. It stays yeah. there. So those investments, as much as on face value, you're thinking, oh my lord, that's expensive. If you really boil that down, and you could, I guess, the hard bit is people being able to map that data and going, this is what you're going to save. No one's back to, to actually, the bottom line. No one is actually going yeah. to excuse my friend put their balls on the line and go. That's it. That's the number. Yeah. And I think that's one of the differences with our business is that when we go in and, and, and talk to people, what we're doing is we're going, this is your return on investment. This is what you're mm. going to save. This is the carbon that you are going to offset. And we always make sure that's conservative as well because there's nothing worse than having that conversation and going, hey, look at this. And then all of a sudden, you know, in 12 months' time, they're going, hey, mate. Yeah. Yeah. You you not, you're not even yeah. close to what you promised. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so that's one of the big things. And I think that's that education is that a lot of people are – looking at us when we're, you know, approaching that and going, all right, where's the steak knives, mate? You know, this is a mm. sales pitch. And, mm. and that's the hard thing to actually twist that and shift that um, mentality, I guess. Yep. To, this mm. is real. Is this, is this kind of like the solar panels that you kind of get the phone calls about and you kind of like, like it can't be all um, rainbows and sunshine like you're promising and you, prom- you want heaps of sunshine for the solar panels. Mm. But like I'd love to be like investing in that, but it just seems to be – this kind of airy fairy price. Are you going to get your return on your investment? Yeah, yeah. Well, there's that. Yeah. There's, mm. I'm going to get in trouble if people that I know listen to this because this conversation comes up with me fairly regularly about solar and, mm. and I end up bashing the solar industry and I don't mean to because I, I think fundamentally what it is is fantastic. Yep. I think how it's actually implemented and, and how it's um, marketed now because that's all it is now. It's a big marketing machine mm. is really wrong mm-hmm. in that in Tassie – I guess in summer we've got what they call solar producing hours with the sun's at the right height and all this sort of stuff for the solar panels to be the most efficient they can be. And I think we get about four, four and a half solar producing hours in summer. Yeah, right? a it's day. Gonna, a day. Yep. So it's going to produce all those other times that the sun's up as well, just not as efficiently, right? So what happens is people go, oh, I'm going to put solar on the roof, right? And there's a mentality shift there that I've got solar so I can basically do what I want. Mm. The idea with solar is that it works when the sun shines. Yeah. Um, at the moment, obviously, with battery pricing and things like that, they're not being implemented as quickly, I guess, as we would like because the return on investment just isn't there. But if you've got solar on your roof, guess when the sun shines? It's when we're out at the park or we're at work or we're doing the things that you have to do as an adult. Mm. So you don't get to actually use the benefit of the solar anyway. Yeah, yeah. When should the dishwasher run? Guess what? Midday when the sun's high. Yeah. When should the washing machine and the dryer go on? Guess what? Midday. <laughs> You know, um, hot water cylinders, one of the biggest consumers of energy in the house because all you're doing is heating a body of water that you may or may not use. Mm. And guess when that comes on? It still comes on when the sun's not shining. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Um, yeah. So there's, you know, and, and then people put solar panels on and they go, I can do what I want uh, now. Yeah. Free rain. I I yeah. So yeah, they come home and the dryer's on at 6 o'clock at night and all these things and it's just it doesn't work. Yeah, right? yeah. Um, if used correctly, solar panels are amazing. Yes. You know, if you've got a swimming pool and you can, you know, run your pumps and put all timers and things in, but no one's going to go to that level. Yeah. But yeah. again, I guess that's part of that education thing where kind of someone like yourself can come in and say like, you know, this is the best time to be doing it. If you want to put in a system where we have timers running all this stuff, we can make that work. I imagine that's something that's Yeah, look, absolutely. Do. And the mm. other thing is people think, ah, oh, what I'll do is I'll just put solar panels on the roof and I'm doing a great job. Yeah. Mm. But that's trying to mop up a bucket of milk that's been kicked over. Mm. Let's not kick the bucket of milk over. Let's fix all those things at the ground level first. Let's replace all your lighting with LED. Yeah. Let's find an efficient way to heat hot water, whether that's heat pump or, you know, whatever that might be, solar, whatever. 
you know, let's let's replace some of those inefficient appliances that we've got within the home with efficient. Let's insulate and now let's put solar on once everything's offset so that yes. when the sun's not shining, we're still actually getting benefit. And what you'll find is, again, I haven't really done the math, I've done some at a commercial and industrial level, is that mm. if you fix those fundamental things that are working for you all the time, even when the sun's not shining, and then put solar, your return on investment's actually smaller. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's like, well, why are you cold? Well, you're, stand, you're sitting there naked on the couch, mate. Maybe just put a jumper on first before you turn the heater on. That's exactly right. You know? And what I do at home, John, is my prerogative, mate. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, harking back to me thinking about then, you know, the unit that I want to build, is so the message to me might be, um, look, don't think of it just slap on solar. It says, Johnny, if you really want to have an energy efficient, like start at your foundations. Absolutely. And, you, and work your way through. Um, and I suppose then that's where we search out someone like yourself to help design that, connect all of it together. Absolutely. To ensure that they're all working in tandem and actually assisting, um, you know, right through the lights, right through to the different switches, right to the, the you know, you know, switching on and off, um, right through, right to the end once you get to the exterior of the house and then what more can you add? Um, Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, okay. And uh, do you see much of a shift in that space, obviously in the property game, that mm. people when they're lo- walking into an open home, they're looking at these things? I Specifically in Tassie, I think that's going to happen a lot more. It seems to me, because, and I can only say because I don't know too much about it myself, is that most people don't know what they're even looking for. So they know anecdotally, kind of like when you someone walks into a car yard and they kick the tyre, why are you kicking the tyre, mate? It's like, I don't know. I've seen someone do it once before. So people know a little bit to ask questions and spend money. However, I don't think it's through knowledge of actually converting it to the end goal, which is obviously reducing your power costs. So I know it's a long-winded answer, but I just don't think – I think people want to, but they don't know how to is the biggest challenge. And one of the other things as well that I guess is tough is that – I guess the rise of the home renovator and yes. things like that, you yep. know, um, the block and you know oh, all yeah. of these things. Everyone wants to have a crack and and do things and they mm. do things as best as they probably can. Are they making good decisions? Probably not. Yeah. Um, again, I've seen somebody do this, so that you know that's how it must be done or whatever that might be. Now, there's a reason that people are specialists in certain areas. Um, Absolutely. Well, actually, going back to the gentleman I was referring to before, I think the example that he gave was, say you look at properties in Germany or different countries that have degrees of extreme ends, so, you know, hot and then extreme cold. Launceston. Well, there you go. (laughs) (laughs) Well, so they're designed to make sure that the house can retain heat at at levels of extreme. He said the challenge is that within Australia we – Trying to, as if it's always the same, um, yeah. and so they're not they're not really pushing the design to allow the you know I suppose the the, the, the you know to re- retain that heat. And one of my um, best mates, uh, he helped me with my um, he'll be helping me with the build, but he's really passionate about this stuff. So when he built a massive house in Claremont, um, I have no idea what he did, but obviously there's you know win- huge windows on the side, there's the solar orientation, there's the you know concrete through the middle and the bottom so that once that gets to a, you know, a level degree, you can basically switch off the heaters for days and days because, you know, it's retained that level of heat. So Absolutely. the house is phenomenally comfortable. It's massive open spaces. And you're like, how the hell is this even ha- working? It's because you just spent all that time and effort to design it well. At that front end. Yeah, exactly Absolutely. right. Future-proofing yeah. what you're trying to do. And Absolutely. I think and I think it's um, because obviously that's what he's passionate about. He can do the work, but I'm 99% sure he spoke with people like yourself as well to help do that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yep. And, yeah. you know, there's a reason that there is a shift in this space as well. Mm. Um, obviously the building code of Australia mandates certain aspects of 
what has to happen with, you know, how many watts you can have of lighting and heating per square metre and all this sort of thing. Mm. But, again, with the rise of the home renovator, a lot of that's lost because at the end of the day there's no one really checking, checking over the no. stuff. Yeah, no. definitely. And, look, in the end, I can only, I'll just speak for myself too, is that I'll jump on Pinterest and go, I want that kitchen. I want that bathroom. Like I've got, I don't really care. It's just like, you know, it's just so, so as much as I would say all oh, this passion, but you know, in the moment you're like, screw it, but does it look like that? Yeah. And, no, yeah. and the consumer is much the same. Yeah. Yeah. You walk in and you know, I don't know, does the kitchen sell the house? Does the bathroom sell the house? Whatever that is. But yeah. you know, if it's beautiful, I guarantee, I know when we bought our place, we walked in and my wife just said, we're buying this. Yep. We, yeah. Yeah. We're in the hallway. Yeah. You know, like, <laughs> yeah. You bought a hallway and the house came with it. You know, that's what Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. You know, yeah. um, so, yeah. And I guess that go harks back to your question is that it's sort of that we, we'd like to think that we're moving this energy, positive energy direction, but our emotions take over. Um, and that's how we buy it. Like we just, we buy on that emotion, justify with logic later. So there'd be a very small, very small percentage of people that are really, you know, targeting and looking for a high degree of energy efficiency. It becomes a nice bonus at the end of the, at the end of the game. But I suppose what I would like to do and hope that I do personally when it comes to then maybe in my future decisions, especially with the build, is like, well, maybe maybe this could be part of a big rock that comes into the design and not just my flashy-looking kitchen. And does it come into the marketing as well when we're selling property? I think lots of the um, properties that we probably work with in our local market here are um, kind of of the older build and um, you're kind of moving on old uh, homes. But I mm. imagine if you were selling lots of new homes, you'd get a – you'd get really versed in kind of understanding those extra features and those extra things that have been thought about yeah. and put into those homes and it definitely would become part of the marketing package of being kind of, you know, the double glazed glass that leads you out onto the deck will maintain the heat that's been filtered through your yeah. um, big concrete floored, well, what, et cetera. However, yeah. However, that's yeah, just exactly. riffing. Yeah. I think, boys, we've come to a point where we've um, – We've gone way beyond our time. Yep, that's right. I knew having the two of you in here that I probably wouldn't get a word in and that you guys could have talked to the cows come home. Mm. You could have done a four-hour Joe Rogan kind of episode here, I imagine. I think there's there's plenty of scope to talk about. Yeah. But it's been really cool to join the dots and have you in, Tom. Mm. Um, anyone out there that would like to uh, look further into your business, where can they find you? Yeah, our website's up and running. Um, so if you Google Ingenuity Power Solutions, uh, you'll find us there. Um, contact details and stuff are on the web as well. Yep. And you're happy just to have the conversation. Education's key. So, mm. yeah, we're, you know, we're pretty passionate about at what we're doing. Yep. And there's lots of little things that you can implement that, yeah, I guess end up with a, you know, a big result at the end. So, yeah, without doubt, we can definitely feel the passion. We can feel that, um, I think one key takeaway is just, yeah, education is something that really we need to think about. Like, kind of, we've kind of learned heaps just this morning it's kind yeah. of i can't wait to go back and listen to all the math and just be like holy moly like this actually makes a difference yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. i used to think this guy could just lift really heavy weights but <laughs> <laughs> well and truly retired <laughs> i did see something about your dad bod from you from <laughs> for anyone out there tom uh was it world, world record level um, power lifting? Yeah. yeah, it was, ashamedly. <laughs> <laughs> it was mighty impressive, my friend. Bloody hell. Thank you so much for coming in. It's been a hoot. Um, Thanks, yeah, you're always welcome back. We'd love to have you on again and, yeah, we'll just sign it off. Awesome. Thanks for having me, gentlemen. Not a problem. Time. Excellent. See ya.